coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. What people think of you has nothing to do with you. People care so much about what other people think, but here's the thing. If you want to know the secret, the secret's this. Everybody cares about themselves. They don't care about you. When you walk into a room and you think everyone's looking at you, they're not. They're only looking at you because they're wondering what you think of them. And if you want to be a leader, if you want to have, if you want to influence people, you want to build a following, focus on them. Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 28. This episode's interesting fact is, well over a quarter of a million podcast shows currently exist. But before it seeped into the mainstream, podcasting was not for everyone, and it wasn't nearly as user-friendly and accessible as it is today. Our guest today is a master podcaster and can share much insight about this rapidly evolving field. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to Daniel Geffen. Daniel started out at the age of 23 on a six-figure salary. He went broke and got evicted onto the streets with his family. He started his business again from scratch and went broke again. Then he outsourced his business to a competitor, ran his company out of a hotel lobby for a year, grew it and semi-retired on passive earnings at the age of 31, then launched his podcast show, which is now rated Top 26 Podcasts to Listen to in 2017, and launched Geffen Media Group that gets people featured on top-rated podcast shows. Daniel, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really, really an honor, and I would love to spend time going through these various steps over here. This is fascinating (laughs) stuff, really. And maybe you could weave it into some of the questions that I'm going to ask you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to start right away with your book. I didn't mention it in the bio, but you just recently um, published a book about, um, I think it's called The Self-Help Addict. And uh, I got it. And like I mentioned to you in our pre-recording conversation, haven't had a chance to read it yet, but very intrigued by the topic. And so I'd love to know, what is a self-help addict and why is this such an important area for you to tackle? Great question. So the self-help addict is actually me. I am the self-help addict. And interestingly enough, about 10 years ago, when I originally had the idea to write the book, I was sitting in a, in a therapist chair and uh, the therapist said to me, Daniel, what, you know, what's one of the things that you, that you want to achieve that, you know, that you, you sort of, you're not achieving right now in your life. And I said, well, I really want to write this book. It's called The Self-Help Addict. And she said to me, so, so why haven't you started writing the book? What's holding you back? And I said, because I am the self-help addict. <laughs> I am the <laughs> self-help addict. And, and so the self-help addict is someone who reads and consumes and procrastinates and is scared to go out and, and create. And so what we end up doing is we just overdose on information. It's like a drug right? We, we overdose on the information. And then the more we consume, the more we justify that, you know, oh, if I just read a little bit more, if I watch one more YouTube video, if I go to one more Tony Robbins event, then yep. I'll be able to do it, right? I'm with you. I'm hearing my, my own inner narrative here as you're talking. Go ahead. Yeah. 
So essentially, like I was in this catch twenty two where I basically needed to read my own book in order to write the book. Now, how trippy does that sound? So what ended up happening was I ended up writing the book for me on my own journey. And I was really just writing it in a way to myself. But to kind of give you a little bit of an example of of what that looks like, what does a self-help addict look like in real life? I'll paint for you a little picture. So for those of you that don't know Barnes and Nobles, Barnes and Nobles used to be one of the biggest bookstores in America before Amazon, right? So I'm standing there in California and I'm about to walk into a Barnes and Nobles and my wife, she grabs me by my shirt and she says, don't you dare go in there. And I said, why? And she said, because every time you go into a bookstore, you get lost in there for hours. I've got to beg you to come out and you're not going in there. There's no way. And, and so of course I turn around and I say, listen, honey, you know, why don't you go buy yourself something nice? You know, maybe buy some, some ice cream for the kids and I'll, I'll see you in an hour. So she rolls her eyes and she walks away and she takes the kids and I walk into this Barnes and Nobles and I go straight to the self-help section. And it's like, it's like ecstasy, you know, <laughs> seriously, you grab the books and you look at the, the, the new, the new releases, right. And you start piling them on top of each other, right. You, you, you get like 10 or 15 of them and, and you start shuffling through, you look at the front cover, the back cover, the inside, the outside, the, te- the testimonials. And what are you doing? What am I doing? Naftali is I'm looking for the one I'm looking for that one book that's finally going to change my life. And so, of course, I get down to that one book. There's one book that jumps out at me and I say, yes, that's it. And I tuck it under my arm like a little baby and I walk to the checkout and I pay for the book. And then I find a nice little quiet area and I crack open the book. And of course, it makes that lovely crackling sound. And there's that fresh smell of a brand new book. And there's all that hope and optimism that comes with it, right? And as I start to go through the pages, I've got my trusty uh, marker pen, my yellow marker pen, right? All those self-help addicts out there, you know what I'm talking about, right? That marker pen. And I just start marking every single line, every line. It's like, if you look at the, the books that I have, I have hundreds of books. They, they're all yellow, completely yellow. Like what's the point of a marker pen if the whole book is yellow? The whole point of a marker pen is to mark certain things that they could pop out. But the problem is, is I'm a self-help addict. So every line is like, wow, amazing, incredible. That's going to change my life. Oh my goodness. That's, oh wow, this is it. That's a game changer. And I, I just turn page after page and I get lost. I get completely lost. And then... I reached the last page. And you know what happens when I reach that last page? I get that feeling in the the pit of my stomach. I get that feeling of, oh no, now what? Right? I feel empty now. Like I feel like I've come to the end of the rope. You see, here's the thing is while you're reading and you're consuming and you're taking in information, you justify that I'm learning so I don't need to create right? I don't need to go out and do anything right now because I'm taking in information. I'm planning. I'm taking inspiration. I'm getting motivation. The problem is, is once you finish the book, now you've got no excuse. Now you've actually got to go do something. So what do we do? Instead of going and, and putting ourselves out there, we take the next step in the cycle, which is, oh, let me go see if he's got a website. Of course he does. It's 2018, right? You go to the website and he's got 
of free webinar. Oh my goodness, a free webinar. I've got to sign up for that because if I go to the webinar, then that will change my life. That will give me, I'm sure I'm going to learn something in the webinar. He's going to teach me exactly what I need to go and actually do something about it. So you watch the webinar, right? And you get to the end and after two hours of scribbling your notes, because you've got like a whole notepad filled, filled with notes that you'll never use, right? You get to the end of the webinar and what does he do? This, this guy, this, the guru, this guy that you worship, He says, if you really want to take your life to the next level, then I've got an event in Vegas and it's only $3,999 plus airfare and and hotels. And you're thinking, hmm, I don't really have any money, but you know what? Sometimes you've got to take risks in life. Like, you know, you take out your credit card and you're thinking that your spouse is going to kill you for this, but you know what? She'll only find out in a month's time. And by then you would have already changed your life around and you'll show her the investment, right? So you pay for the ticket, you go, you fly to this event. And of course, there's a whole bunch of self-help addicts out there. So you all get along and you're all jumping and going, yes, we could do it. Yes, we could do it. And he pumps you up and everyone's going crazy and you're writing down your life goals and you're you're just like in in a different world. And then of course you get on the plane, you, you fly back and the next morning you wake up and you're back to yourself again. And you're like, now what? Mm. What a fascinating journey there. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm coming along with you on the ride, Daniel. But I got to tell you that in there was so much. And I think what's really beautiful as Lead to Succeed Nation is uh, really listening and sort of mining your conversation and your, your response for the goal that's in it. One thing in particular, I think podcast consumption really oftentimes falls into the same category because we're thinking that if we just listen to the insight of this person or that person who has made it and achieved success, that alone is going to really be transformative. It's going to make a huge difference. And so all of us have that in some way, whether we consider ourselves addicts or not. And so my question, I think the natural outgrowth to this question then is, well, what do you do about it? In other words, what advice, I'm sure you talk about this in your book, how do you move from the self-help addict to the person who is taking concrete steps, which of course you can speak to very well Mm -hmm. because of the fact that you have done such tremendous work and, and some of the other things I want to get into maybe a little bit later about your social presence, about growth of your new business and all these various things, you clearly have gone beyond the level of addict to somebody who has taken action and made a difference, not only in his own life, but in the life of so many others. So, so walk us through, Daniel, that transformation that you had and or how you suggest others can shift from consuming, consuming, consuming to taking concrete action that really makes the difference. Okay. So I cover a lot of this in the book, obviously, but I think just to, to, to kind of give you a few things that really, really helped me massively. One was I started to realize that as a self-help addict, my thoughts and feelings controlled me. And really it should be the other way around. I should be in control of my thoughts and feelings, not that my thoughts and feelings are in control of me. And so I started to to actually look at my thoughts and feelings like they were little children because it helped me to make them real. It helped me to kind of, you know, see them in a different light. See, uh, the problem is, is that in the self-help world, a lot of uh, the gurus out there, they tell you to, you know, crush your fears and, and conquer your thoughts and, you know, ignore them and crush them. And I don't like to ignore and crush because they're part of me. So if I crush them, I'm crushing myself, right? 
And when you look at them as little children, you know, do you crush your children? <laughs> do you ignore your children? Right. That's not how to deal with them. You see, I have four children. And when it comes to bedtime, they say to me, I don't want to go to bed. I don't feel like going to bed. Right. I don't want to go to school. I don't feel like going to school. So what do I do as a father? I take them by the hand and I gently say, I know you don't want to go to bed and I know you don't feel like going to bed, but we're going to bed. And I walk them up the stairs and I tuck them in their bed and I kiss them good night and I say good night. I love you. Right. And I do the same thing when it comes to school time. So it's the same thing with my thoughts and feelings. I don't have to listen to them. They're little children. I am in the boss, right? I know what's best for them. And so when I wake up in the morning and my thoughts and feelings say, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't feel like going to the gym. I say, I understand. I know you don't feel like it. I know you don't want to, but we're going anyway. Come on, let's go. Right. And I, we literally together, we all get into the car, right? All of us. And they're, they're whining away and that's okay. They can whine now. And we get to the gym and I get onto the treadmill and we, I start to run and something magical happens. After about five minutes, all of a sudden, my thoughts and feelings, they start to speak differently. They're like, wow, I love the gym. This is amazing. I'm so glad we came. This is incredible. Wow, I feel pumped, right? And I say, oh, told you so. See what happens. You got to trust me more. And I've been doing this with them now for the last number of years. And every time they say, I don't want to, I don't feel like it, I always just take the action. So one of the chapters in my book is called, if you take the actions, your feelings will follow. Beautiful. I'm imagining this conversation as if you're actually audibly having it. Yeah. You know, I have a tendency myself to talk to myself so I can actually imagine having this conversation right. with myself. Uh, but either way, that's great because not only have you given us something concrete to work with, but you've also painted a beautiful visual scenario. And we all have those gremlins. You know, we all have those inner voices, but to treat them like children, you know, like when you talked about how you transitioned from the resistant child to the agreeable child and actually enthusiastic, it really reminds me of my kids. You know, it really reminds me of a, of a real life conversation between a parent and a child where initially the child cannot see the benefit and then not only sees the benefit, but is more enthusiastic than the parent by the time everything is said and done. That was neat. Well, it's interesting because you know how you just said gremlins? I did. That was a that was a slip, right? You said the word gremlins and, and I kind of thought wow, would you call your children gremlins? That's not very nice, right? And here's the thing, it's, it's very interesting because some people might think, well, that's a very cute analogy, but it, it's actually, it's not just cute. There's a lot of truth into it and I'll tell you why. Because those thoughts and feelings really do come from a child. It's you, it's your child. It's, it's that part of you that doesn't really want to grow up. It's the part of you that really doesn't want to take risks because you're scared of what other people will think of you. And so the child in you, who will always be there, by the way, because he lives with you and he's part of you, if you ignore him, he'll just get louder. If you don't understand him and you constantly argue with him, you'll just spend your whole entire life draining yourself and wasting time just arguing with this little child. The other option is to embrace this child and to completely understand where he's coming from, but also understand and help him understand that you are, you are capable, you are able. And every single time that you achieve something, 
you prove him wrong. You see, for many, many years, this child in me said, Daniel, you can't write a book. <laughs> You're never going to write a book. Come on. Come on. Seriously. Who are you kidding? You're not going to really write it. You're not going to really publish this book. No one's going to want to read that book. You think even if you do write it, even if you publish it, you think you're going to really get it to a bestseller. Come on, right? Who's going to, they're going to laugh at you. And you know what happened, Naftali? I wrote that book. I wrote it. I published it. I got number one bestseller. People have read it and they like it. And now I don't need to argue with that little child. Do you know why? Because I just hold the book in my hand. I smile and I say, look what I did. Beautiful. Yeah, it's always nice to have that tangible reward in front of you. And that's, yeah, that's how I felt as well with uh, with the writing of my book, Becoming the New Boss. The only difference, I think, in between our journeys is that you had the book in your head for 10 years, like you said, before you actually wrote it. Yeah. And I had the opposite experience. I actually wrote the book based on experiences that I had, and more importantly, wishing that I had such a book when I got started. Mm -hmm. So it's a different way of getting to your goal. But I think the main thing that I'd like to share with our listeners as we're processing everything that you're saying is that if you have an idea, whether it's something that's just been percolating in your mind for a while or something that really is the outgrowth of experience and perspective that you've gained over time, the bottom line is, like Daniel is saying, take that concept, take that idea, move forward with it. Don't just let it percolate in the back of your mind. Take action, incremental, steady, forward action, and set real goals that are ultimately going to allow you to not only complete your manuscript, but to see the light of day. Because we all have, whether you, you think yourself as a writer uh, or express yourself a little bit differently, but we all have stories to tell. And I think one of the greatest losses for society is the fact that so many people with such great wisdom and such great experience neglect or or just are hesitant to share with the same concerns like you talked about. Who wants to hear this? Why is this important? But you'd really be surprised. And I found that myself. Mm. So let's let's transition a little bit, Daniel, because there's so much to talk about besides for your book. We mentioned before the success of your podcast, and uh, I have the fortune of being connected with you on Facebook, on LinkedIn, perhaps elsewhere as well. And I know you've built a very robust social presence. So tell our listeners, please, what are some secrets that you can share that will help our listeners get themselves out there more and really create a level of engagement that perhaps they haven't been able to achieve until now? Okay. So the secret is not really a secret. <laughs> Let's start with that. There's no secret source. There's no magic. It's very simple. And I hear this all the time from people, this question all the time. Say, Oh, what do I do on social media? How do I build a following? How do I connect? How do I get people? The answer is, is that social media is just a different platform. That's all it is. For some reason, I don't know why, but people act differently when they're on social media than they do in real life. And it doesn't make sense to me because why are you trying to be something else? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like what, what happens from when you suddenly log into Facebook or LinkedIn, what happens to you? You suddenly become like this robotic, like, Oh, I've got a, so the first piece of advice is just be yourself. Like imagine you're going to meet someone at a bar or you're having a, you know, a conversation with a friend, like that's how you need to interact online. There's so many people just trying to be fake and trying to like, you know, put up a profile, like an image of themselves that's, that's not 100% true. And the thing is that nobody really relates to that. 
you know, it's really interesting. I see, I see people taking selfies of themselves, right? So what do they do? Mm -hmm. They take their phone and they take like this very interesting angle. It's like all the way up and it's like tilted to the right at 90 degrees. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get that perfect angle of themselves, right? And and then of course they've got to take the filter and make the filter look good. Nobody cares. Like nobody wants to see that side of you. You know what side they want to see? They want to see the real side. They want mm-hmm, to see the mm-hmm. 3D picture of who you are. If you open up about your misfortunes, about your struggles, about your daily, you know, whatever it is, that's what people relate to. And here's another piece of advice as well that I heard from a guest I had on my show, which really it was incredible. What people think of you has nothing to do with you. People care so much about what other people think. But here's the thing. If you want to know the secret, the secret's this. Everybody cares about themselves. They don't care about you. When you walk Mm -hmm. into a room and you think everyone's looking at you, they're not. They're only looking at you because they're wondering what you think of them. And if you want to be a leader, if you want to have, if you want to influence people, you want to build a following, focus on them. Focus on giving them what they're looking for, which is they want their attention. They want encouragement. The problem is everybody's looking at themselves. Everyone's walking around, you know, trying to get their you know, people to give them attention. Mm. So are you talking about, for example, responding to other people's posts and, and liking and all of this? Or are you talking about something deeper? It's everything. It's everything. Everything that you do online should reflect who you are in real life. And when I say real life, I mean offline. So if I met you at an event or if I, if I invited you over for, you know, to have a coffee, would, are you coming off the same way as you are online? Cause I cannot tell you how many times I've had a conversation with someone who I've known online and they're completely different. Mm. They're completely different. They're like, they're so much more real. They're so, there's so much to them. There's so much depth to them. There's so much there and it doesn't show through online. I don't see it. All I see is, you know, look at this and look at that and look what I've done. And wow, look how amazing I am. And, right. you know, well, isn't some of that, isn't some of that unavoidable though? Because, you know, I, I write about this a lot and, and think about it just as a, as an educator and as a parent and just as a person, the idea that as much as we have become more connected, you know, you and I, for example, never would have met probably if not for the fact, you know, that there are these online platforms, but at the same time, the level of depth the nature of connection, so much of it is lost because of the technological platform and angle. And so I wonder if that is a bridge that we simply can't cross. I, dis- I disagree with that because the way you communicate online, I guarantee most people, the way they communicate is not the way they communicate regularly, like in a normal conversation. And there's absolutely no reason why you can't communicate that way. Right. If you're taking videos of yourself on Facebook, if you're doing a Facebook Live, just be you. Just talk about stuff that you're going through. Be real. Right. Don't pretend to be someone you're not. Don't think that that if you look successful, people will respect you more. They don't. I guarantee you it. People root for the people who are raw and honest and authentic. That's what people crave. People crave, and especially online where there's so much fake, 
there's so many people just trying to like, you know, look cool and be someone they're not like, and we smell it a mile away. We, 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 we're human beings. We, we, we could sense it. We can sense straight away when someone's being real and when they're not. I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, I'm sorry, but I did want to ask you something because you're actually hitting on something, like sort, of a, sort of a raw nerve of mine, which I've been pondering for a while and I thought I would actually put it out there possibly as a post. But since we're talking, one of the issues that I grapple with all the time is how much does a person, and, and again, I'm putting this out there for everyone in Lead to Succeed Nation to understand that this is not just about your social media presence. It's really for every conversation that you have what, in your opinion, Daniel, is the is the fine line that you should be developing between being raw, being vulnerable, all the things that you talked about, and at the same time trying to look successful and accomplished so that people will genuinely have confidence in you and want to work with you? How do you balance that? Well, the answer is, is that if you are accomplishing and everyone's accomplishing something, then here's the key. The more humble you are, the more you share your downfalls and your fears and, you know, the dark side of your life, then the more you're allowed to brag and can get away with it. If you, if all you do is brag online and, and, and pretend that you're all so great and everything's so groovy, then actually people kind of hate that. Like, 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 ugh, like, oh, why are you making me feel so bad? Like, why are you being such a arrogant, you know what? Like, people are not attracted to that. But what's really interesting is that if you invest your whole self, right? If you invest all of the, the raw part, the raw parts of you, the, the, the stuff that, that most people don't share, then you are allowed in a way, in a sense, to brag about your accomplishments. And people, and not only that, but people are happy for you when you accomplish. They, they're rooting for you. You know, when I was doing my book launch, okay, for the self-help addict, I had so much support. It was overwhelming how many people were rooting for me to become a number one bestseller. It was incredible. But the reason why, the reason why people wanted me to succeed is because they've been following me for months or years and they've been seeing my journey and they've been seeing my raw side. They've been seeing the struggles that I have and the fears and the nakedness. And so when, when Daniel Geffen comes along and has a success, they want me to succeed. Mm. So you're sort of like setting up the process with a journey and ultimately you're at the I wouldn't say the end of the journey, obviously, because there's still a long way to go. But you really have 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 brought people along with you, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And to this point, where now you have you've you've put yourself out there. You've of course shared great content along the way, been greatly engaging, as I know you are. And then you end it with a success story or something that people can rally behind. Then all of a sudden, you really have a whole group of people who are there with you 100. percent Look at a Hollywood movie, Naftali, right? You watch a movie. How does it how does it work? It's always the same theme. You have somebody who's, you know, struggling, right? They're struggling and you feel for them, right? You feel for them and and you want you're rooting for them throughout the movie. You want them to succeed because they keep getting pushed down, right? Mhm. And so by the end of the movie, you when he or she succeeds, 
you're cheering, you're jumping out of your, your seat, you're, you're rooting for them. You want them to succeed so badly because you feel like you've been on their journey. You feel like, you know, you saw them struggle and you rooted for them and now you feel invested in them. Mm. If you can paint that and use that same formula, which works, it works every single time. It's the reason why almost every Hollywood story has that theme to it. If you can use that in your online presence, whether it's your website, whether it's your social media, whether it's your emails that you send out, your communication, then you're going to get people who are rooting for you. They want to be a part of what you're doing. They're part of your mission and they want to see you succeed. Awesome. What a great way to end that segment. And Daniel, you've given us so much to think about as it relates to growing your brand and really creating that sense of vulnerability and lifting the curtain uh, and creating, you know, more awareness of, of who this person is as an actual individual and what their journey looks like. So I'm going to piggyback off that as we transition now into our rapid fire segment and lift the curtain just a little bit more. Since I know that you live in Israel and um, get to see your pictures from time to time, tell us something, please, about Israel that you wish everybody knew. Uh, <laughs> it's a good question. It's not what you think. <laughs> Every time I say I live in Israel, people think that I'm in the middle of a war zone and there's like bombs flying everywhere. You know, uh-huh. it's like, it's like the movies, right? Uh, everything's exaggerated and everything, you know, when you watch the news, the news like to paint a very, very, very dark picture because that's what makes great news. Right. But I live here and uh, it's a beautiful country. It's peaceful. Yes, of course, there are, there's a war, you know, going on at certain, in certain parts. It's not always happening, you know, it's on and off. But where I live, it's very peaceful and the country is an incredible country to live in. And, and you know, we live together, Ar- Arabs and Jews. You know, pe- people are shocked when they hear that. You know, I see Arabs every day. They're very friendly and they're peaceful. And I'm Jewish and, you know, there's no, there's, there's a lot of myths that need to be straightened out, but, uh, it's, it's obviously not, we don't have enough time to go into it, but I would, I would certainly invite anyone on the show to, um, to come to Israel and to, and to see the country and to enjoy the beauty of this country. And, uh, if you, if you do come, let me know and I'd love to, uh, show you around. Thank you. That was a great offer. I actually, we're recording this at the end of January. And uh, I was actually in the country last month. I have a son who's studying there for the year. And I'm a little bit embarrassed to say how long it had been prior to this past trip uh, between my time in the uh, in, in studying in the land and then, and then returning. Uh, but yes, I think your description is spot on. It really is a beautiful place and a great place to visit. So you've talked about your vulnerability in many ways. And maybe this question at this point is redundant. But because you're so successful, I figured I would ask you, what are you not very good at? Lots of things. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of things. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Greatest litmus test of them all. Absolutely. All right. Now, Favorite? Uh, you, wait, you, wait. you said coffee before. Once I, you, you said coffee before. Oh, you want to say something more? Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I know that I have a lot of things that I'm not good at. But the key for me has been to recognize my strengths, recognizing my weaknesses, and spending most of my time doing the things that I'm good at 
and delegating and outsourcing the things that I'm not good at. And again, it's something that I talk about in my book as well, because I think it's so crucial to, to really, because otherwise you're just wasting so much time and energy doing things that you're just not good at and, and you don't enjoy. Why do that? Speaking of energy, something other than coffee that gets your energy up and gets you, uh, gets you flowing. So I don't drink coffee. Um, what gets me really going is music. I love, love music. I can't function without it. Like when I write my Facebook posts or my LinkedIn posts, right? I'm listening to some really emotional music because it brings out the emotions in me, gets my energy levels going, and that's how I'm able to write. Fantastic. Okay, so we are ready now to hear just a little bit more about yourself, about your work, what you do, and how people can reach you. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? There's so, <laughs> there's so many different aspects. Wherever you'd like to take us. Whew. Can you give me some, give me like a, uh, I don't know. In terms of people reaching out to you professionally, oh, in other yeah. words, uh, your clients, people who uh, may be interested in following up with you mm-hmm. and uh, learning more about your work and possibly working with you. Okay. So right now, Geffen Media Group, that's my company. We help people to launch podcasts. So for those of you listening that that want to have your own show, it's geffenmediagroup.com. You can head over there and um, we we help people with launching their show. And we also get people on podcasts as well. Because uh, right now, podcasting is massive. It's It's the most efficient way to get to build your brand and to get your name out there and to share your story and your message with the world. And so we also get our clients on top rated podcast shows as well. Again, that's Geffen Media Group. In terms of my podcast show, you can head over to Can I Pick Your Brain? So on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, whatever you're listening to, uh, you can type in Can I Pick Your Brain? That's my podcast show. Uh, And of course, my book, which is on Amazon, and it's called The Self-Help Addict. The podcast, by the way, is fantastic. And uh, I remember you talked about working out before at, at a workout session at a, a hotel back in uh, in the summertime when, when I was uh, um, vacationing with my family and you were having a conversation with somebody about LinkedIn mm. and how to use it for success and how I think at the time you were just surprised by the power of LinkedIn considering that you had most of your success until that point on Facebook. That's what I recall. Correct. And I remember it being a very engaging conversation. So Daniel, before we let you go, leave us please with one final life lesson that Lead to Succeed Nation can take with them on the end of the uh, conversation today. Um, I mean, for me, the big, the biggest thing I could say to those listening right now is don't let this just be an another inspiring conversation that you listen to today. Do something with it. There was some, at some point during this podcast, you had some thought to go and do something. You were inspired to take some sort of action. It might've been to start your book or maybe start your podcast or start that business or create that course, whatever it was, whatever it was, whatever that inspiration was, don't let it die. Take advantage of that, that energy you've got right now hit that stop button and go and do it. Take one step towards that action right now. I'm psyched. And uh, I know that I have on my list, Daniel, to uh, get on more podcasts. I've been on quite a few. Uh, It's really been awesome to guest on somebody else's show as well, of course, to host my own. 
Uh, so that's one thing that I know I'm going to be jumping into after our conversation today. Thank you so very much for your time, for your insight, for your passion, and for walking us through in your journey and really letting us have a window into your world. And I really do hope that uh, Lead to Succeed Nation does follow up with you, does become better acquainted with your work, and finds opportunities to really benefit from your learning, from your experience, and really from your expertise. Thank you, Naftali. Thank you to all those listening. I really appreciate all of you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you could lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the social proof that we need to encourage more folks to listen. Social media junkies, please share this recording with your networks and tag me as well. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Naftali Hoff and on Twitter as Ad Impactful Coach. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.